Welcome to Truth Well Spoken, the official podcast for McCann Health and an opportunity to connect across disciplines, companies, and countries in our mutual pursuit of endless truth seeking. Today, I'm your host, Dina Rao. I'm a writer in the MHNJ copy department, and today we are kicking off the new year, we're kicking off 2024 with a quick chat about New Year's resolutions, or as some, including myself, like to call them, intentions. I'm going to introduce the people in the virtual room with me, starting with Natalie. Hi, everyone. My name is Natalie Mercer. I'm on the strategy team here at McCann Health, New Jersey, and I've been with the agency for about three years now. And then Kendall, could you introduce yourself as well? Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Kendall Coletti. I am also on the brand strategy team, um, and I've been at McCann for two years. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And thank you again for sitting down with me. This is part of our podcast team. So we're looking to talk about the new year and New Year's resolutions and intentions. So resolutions are pretty familiar with everybody. I'm pretty sure everyone's done them before. And in fact, Forbes did a questionnaire recently where they were looking at some of the most common resolutions. And I don't think many of these will be a surprise. So some of the things that were coming up are people are looking to improve their fitness. They're looking to improve their finances, improve mental health, lose weight, improve diet. So a lot of these things, they're particularly physical things that I think is interesting because physical feels like the easiest place to start when you're doing goals and that's very tangible. So those are a lot of the things that come to mind, I think. But unfortunately, a lot of these only last about two to three months. And even that, I think is a little bit optimistic. I know that if I ever do them, I'm done by January. So I think it's only about 6% are still doing their New Year's resolutions by the end of the year. Go those people. But there's also this idea that these goals and these resolutions that people are pursuing, like they're great and there's the great thought there, but do people really have the tools, knowledge, and the habits to create the sustainable change? So one of the things I think is interesting and we can start with is these common resolutions of improving your fitness, improving your finances, and losing weight. They feel so much about changing what people already have. You know, like you want to lose the weight that you already have or you want to improve the fitness that you're thinking is subpar. And I feel like there's this inherent negativity around that, this need to change. And Kendall, is there a difference when I say the word a resolution versus an intention? Does that hit differently to you in terms of this negativity, this need to change versus maybe a a need to grow? Yeah, it does. I think you're exactly right. I think it's really about going into these quote unquote resolutions with the idea of wanting to better yourself is the underlying goal, but sometimes that's at the cost of other things. You might be wanting to lose the weight, but what does that mean? Does, are you limiting yourself? Are you not allowing yourself a little dessert here and there? Are you doing these things that are not really good for you in the long run, kind of at the detriment to yourself versus when you're just kind of setting an intention that you want something smaller, like improving on a skill or making more time for a certain hobby. These things that just help you grow more than kind of pushing yourself down. And with those resolutions, a lot of the times you can get really hard on yourself for not attaining it. Or if you take a day off or if you start to fall off for a week or so, and that's not really the point. The whole point is to just be able to tell yourself, hey, I want to get better at these things. Or I, I think if I did this, it would help me be a little bit happier. But you don't want to be pushing yourself down and making yourself feel bad in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like also a resolution is so absolute 
And it's either you meet that expectation or you don't. And there's that failure associated with it. Whereas an intention is something that you're striving for, you're working towards. It has less, I guess, baggage associated with it and more aspirational. So I think just framing how we think about what we're working towards is a step in the right direction. Yeah, that's a great point. Resolution just feel, yeah, resolved. Like, I have to do this. There's, it's like a yes or no a binary. You either did or you didn't. Whereas an intention is more that idea of striving for progress versus perfection. You know, like I intend to do better. You can always intend. There's that flexibility. That's a great point. Actually, one of the things that uh, I think about looking at these improved fitness, losing weight and improved diet, those are all three different ways to just say like be healthier. And I think, Kendall, what you're saying about these motivations kind of coming from a negative place. I mean, just personally, I've tried like many people to lose weight before and I have and I comes back and haven't. And that's because often the reasoning behind it is like, oh, losing weight. If I just hit this number, you did the number and then you don't need to sustain any change. Right. Because the goal was to lose weight. The goal wasn't to be healthier. So once you already lost that weight, why do you need to continue doing anything? Right. Like you didn't actually take on that intrinsic growth of being healthy because that would just be consistent, right? That would just be um, something for the future as opposed to that short-term goal. And I don't know, I I think that's interesting because like 62% of people feel pressured to set a New Year's resolution. And it's like, but do you have the tools and the knowledge to actually create that sustainable change? But I guess related to that, there's this idea of accountability, right? Uh, Natalie, do you have any thoughts about how someone might try to be accountable either to themselves or maybe to somebody else, how do you create accountability and therefore maybe sustainable change? I think there's two ways you can create accountability. The first is, as you said, with yourself and then with other people. So for me personally, I really like writing things down. I'm a huge fan of vision boards. And if you say you want something, you're putting it out into the universe and you're looking at it every day. So it holds you accountable. You're constantly reminded of it. And then as far as with the people that you are closest with, whether it's your partner, your roommate, your friends, your family, you want to make sure that if you're striving for something, you're surrounded by like-minded people. For instance, if you're trying to give up smoking, but all your friends are smoking and you're exposed to that, it's going to be that much harder. So I think it's both, it's inside what you're doing to hold yourself accountable. And then it helps having a network and a community who are on the same page. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. And I I think like that accountability when it comes to resolutions versus attentions is also interesting because when you fall off of that resolution, it's so hard to get on. But if you have that accountability to yourself and the mentality of an intention, it might be easier to give yourself some grace when you do fail. You can always just get back on. But maybe we can start talking about some intentions or resolutions for physical health because that obviously seems to be a very common one and also an easy place to start, but there's also room for mental health and emotional health. I know personally for me and for physical health, I want to try to start meal prepping a little bit more because I think it has a lot of great downstream effects because one, it saves me time during the rest of the week. I'm mentally prepared going to the day knowing I have some good food in the fridge. I also like the creative pursuit that is cooking itself. I never know what I'm going to end up with at the end, but it's usually pretty good. But I don't know. I guess I'll go back to you, Natalie. Do you have any other thoughts for yourself for physical health resolutions or intentions that you might be doing this year? Yeah. So I'm trying to eat less animal products and incorporate more vegetables into my diet. I read something about how the microbiome really thrives off having a diversity of vegetables. 
And this book I'm reading recommended aim for 20 or 30. So I currently have a list right now in my kitchen about how many vegetables I've consumed. And that can incorporate anything from garlic to onion to parsley, any type of herb. But for me, when it comes to meal prepping, what I've done is on Sundays, creating a list of, okay, what do I want to cook this week? What are three meals? Then I'll go grocery shopping and I'll do it with my partner. So we're doing this together. It's an activity. And, you know, for the meal, there's usually leftover. So that's my lunch the next day. Um, and then we give ourselves about two days if there's takeout or, you know, just throwing something together. So I found that helpful. And something else I'm trying to work through as well is drinking less alcohol during the week specifically. I know sometimes after a long day, all you're craving is a beer or a glass of wine, but committing to, all right, we're not going to drink Sunday through Thursday. Thursday night, it's okay. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it's only been, I think, two weeks, but we've been good. We've been holding nice. each other accountable. Mm-hmm. Two weeks and good. To some of the the food aspects of what you were saying there, Natalie, actually, one of my intentions I set for last year for 2023 was to every time I go grocery shopping, so, you know, once or once a week or once every other week to pick out a fun fruit, whether it's something I haven't tried before or something that I don't usually buy. And I feel like it's so easy to get into like the mundane of grocery shopping and just get all the same things you always get. But that was like a great way for me to just start trying new things or also just having something to look forward to. Whatever that new fruit was, I would have that with my breakfast in the morning. And so it was a fun way to start the day trying something new or having something I don't usually have. But also just goes to show the intentions or resolutions don't have to be something super difficult to stick to or something that's like changing yourself or your habits immensely. It can just be something that adds a little of something extra to your daily life that just, you know, brings you a little extra joy sometimes. I love that. I love that mentality of a New Year's resolution or intention could be just adding something nice as opposed to changing something you think is bad. You know, it's not like, oh, I have to change my diet. I have to eat better. No, I want to try new things. I want to eat new fruits. And it's just like a way to frame it. And so it's also always new, right? So it's harder to get bored of it. Maybe it's more sustainable in that way. I, I love that, Kendall. That's awesome. But what has been your favorite fruit so far? Have you tried, have you been, have you been doing? Yeah, I've continued. It's now not like every time I go grocery shopping because, you know, there's not that many fruits at a certain point. You've just kind of gotten through the most of them that are at Trader Joe's or Whole Foods. So, but I would say the one that I tried that I had, I think had ones before, but just didn't have it very often was persimmons. That's my new favorite. Okay, cool. I just imagine you eating like a dragon fruit with a spoon or something. I did do that too. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Okay, cool. So you said something about the goals. They could be like small things that just bring a little bit of joy. And I, I love that, that kind of like small thing. And I think when it comes to physical health, particularly one of the things that I found when I was trying to move more was I personally really like yoga or stretching as I call it like a gateway exercise because I feel at its simplest form, and I hope people like yogis don't get mad at me, but in its simplest form, some of yoga is just stretching. 
right? And, and there's different levels of yoga, right? You can do intermediate flow or whatever, where it's just like what your body needs and you listen to your body. And then there's more intense, like the hot yoga and stuff. And you know, like, that's a lot more pressing. There's like aerial yoga and like, it can get crazy, like start to lay out here. But I feel like pre-bed yoga is such a great gateway into it because it's just relaxing. It's stretching and what, it's what feels good. But you still move your body. You feel accomplished and relaxed at the end of it. You can do a five, 10 minutes. Not yet. Five minutes. Put on a YouTube video. Listen to those relaxing uh, yoga instructors kind of like lull you to sleep. And I think that that's just such an easy, satisfying, rewarding way to start moving your body. And then you can find different things you like about it. You find movements that you like or holds that you find a little challenging. But I know that personally, I found yoga as like a great way to start an exercise regimen in some way. I just kind of like connect with my body a little bit and start moving off the couch. But I mean, to your point, Natalie, earlier about setting goals and whatnot, is, is there anything else in terms of like physical stuff that you could see that could kind of like maybe start small, but lead to a bigger physical change? Yeah, but before I talk about that, we should mm -hmm. talk about how yoga, I had no idea you enjoyed it so much. I <laughs> last fall became a certified yoga instructor and I did oh, this cool. whole program. But what I love about it is that yoga is universal. It's not, and anyone can do it. There's, like you said, there's the element of meditation, there's stretching, there's Bikram yoga. There's so many different forms and it doesn't need to be in a studio. You don't need to go to Bali and do a <laughs> workshop. Retreat, uh, yeah. <laughs> some of my friends have, which is great, but not everyone can do that. Mm -hmm. And that element of how you can incorporate it into your life in many different facets. So I just want to make a nod to that, that if you ever want to talk yoga offline or we could do a whole episode on that. We'll have another session. <laughs> I think I forgot your question. I just got so excited when you brought up. <laughs> no, no, I guess like what I what I liked about yoga was that it started small. It's just like pre-bed stretching or whatever. And then it kind of turned into maybe something I can do more consistently. Is there anything that you can see with setting goals when it comes to physical health about starting something small that could then lead to maybe something bigger? Yeah, I definitely think when it comes to any type of physical activity. So for instance, for running, if you don't necessarily enjoy it or you don't consider yourself a runner, but you want to get into it, having something that you commit to yourself. So if you're registering for a 5K in a couple of months, all right, you have that in mind. Now you're taking yourself Again, it's all about accountability. Mm -hmm. Okay, I need to get ready for this. How can I come up with a plan? Can I run, you know, before work, before my day starts? Sometimes people don't have the energy at the end of a long day, or some people prefer to work out after work or taking a little break in the middle of the day. So see what works best for you. There's no one plan to get to, especially if you're training for any type of race. But I think just having something on the horizon that you commit to when you put down the money and when you decide to hold your weekend that you're doing that um, is a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think that's great because Dina, to your point, I think exercise can seem very daunting if it's something that you don't do regularly and you want to get into. It's like, oh no, does that mean I have to go buy a gym membership and start trying to go to the gym every day? And it doesn't have to be that. It can just be going for a walk outside. It can be, like you said, just stretching in the morning or at night or doing a quick yoga session. I think exercise in particular is so varied from person to person and what that looks like. And, you know, some people I have friends that love classes. They go to a bar class or a Pilates class two, three times a week. And that's their highlight of the week. I myself do love the gym, but I have other friends that 
really struggle with the gym. And so they like to just go for runs or walks. And I think it's able to be personalized per person. And so I think just starting it, you can start it however you want. It's just as long as that underlying intention of it isn't just, oh, I want to lose weight or, oh, I want to look better. As long as it's, I want to exercise to make myself feel better and to give myself something in the day that I can look forward to. I think as long as that mindset is there, it really makes it a a whole lot easier to follow through with it. Yeah. Depends where that motivation is kind of coming from. Mm -hmm. And to your point, it doesn't have to be this terrible thing. I know a lot of people dread going to the gym, but there's this idea, and I don't know the formal name of it, but like pairing a negative thing with a positive thing or quote unquote negative thing or the thing that might be a challenge that you're trying to develop with a positive thing you already like. I've heard a friend of mine that was trying to do more at-home exercise and they also really liked, I want to say Ted Lasso or something like that. So if you're watching Ted Lasso every day, you know, you could also do your squats during that or uh, if you're trying to eat more vegetables, but you really like cheese, cheese on vegetables. When it came to going to the gym and building those habits for me, I didn't like going to the gym, but I found that I could handle hit sessions where it was like one minute of work, one minute of rest, because during that minute of work, I can't wait. Like it's only a minute and then I get to rest and I get to stop. That was mentally more palatable for me than doing like a 30 minute jog, right? Break it up in some minutes and I can do that. So I think there is a little bit of a trial and error and, and exploration of discomfort where you got to find what you do like, because then those are the things that you'll be able to consistently do. If you're going to be walking, and you don't like walking, walk with a friend. If you don't like the vegetable, add the thing that's going to make it unpalatable. Always butter. It's going to help. But let's keep moving because we're focusing a lot on the physical and and that's great. And that's easy and that's tangible. It's where a lot of people start because it's kind of obvious. But mental health and emotional health is a little bit more nuanced. And Kendall, I wonder if you have any initial thoughts to kick off maybe some things you might be personally doing for your mental or emotional health or what people could do in general. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things I'm intending to do a bit more this year. One of them is really trying to give myself more grace when it comes to allowing myself to relax and do nothing. I think a lot of people can relate to the idea of feeling like if you have a day to do nothing or, you know, have a couple hours of downtime that you feel like you need to fill it with something and you feel like you're not being productive if you don't and you feel lazy if you don't. I'm really trying to allow myself that time and almost even schedule downtime to just be able to do nothing and tell myself that it's okay to do nothing and that I'm able to allow myself to relax and I don't have to be busy all the time and I'm still being productive because I need to give myself that space and that ability to clear my mind and to rest my body. So I think that's something that I've really been trying to do and something that's also helping me with that is journaling. I've gotten really into journaling starting last year and and bring that into this year as well and So part of that downtime, I spend journaling and being able to get my thoughts on paper, really be able to visualize it, kind of make those feelings and thoughts tangible and any sort of goals and and ideas feel tangible. So I think that's something that is easier said than done, but it's something that everyone can really try to incorporate. Mm -hmm. I love that. I'm personally trying to journal more lately. I've actually really liked it. I'm the same. I have to get thoughts either on paper or have to say them out loud, which is why I'm often talking to myself. Otherwise, they're just in my head. They're not real until they're out of my head. And to your point, like giving yourself grace, I love that because the benefit of having that downtime, I mean, yes, you get to relax and decompress, but it's also a form of self-care. And I feel like the idea of giving yourself grace is 
somewhat related to kind of reframing your perspective on things. You're not being lazy. You're giving yourself rest and that's okay. Like when you make a mistake at work, it's not like you've screwed up a job, you've learned something. And I feel like there, this idea of like giving yourself grace is kind of looking at yourself almost like you're your own best friend, right? Because you might treat your best friend differently than you would treat yourself. So I love that thought for you. Also, if you can, I feel like journaling outside, best of both worlds, maybe you walk to a journaling spot. And if you really enjoy journaling and you don't enjoy walking, pair them together. <laughs> well, uh, maybe you can't walk and journal at the same time. But but Natalie, in terms of maybe this mental and emotional health and, and journaling, is there anything that comes to mind for you that you might be looking to do that would help at your mental and emotional well-being? Yeah, I'm definitely trying to limit screen time in general. So I've downloaded this app. I'm on the free trial phase, but at this point, I think I will pay the $30 a year. So what it does is it actually blocks the app at a certain time. So for me, I found myself when I wake up in the morning, reaching for my phone and looking at Instagram, Facebook, work emails that came in uh, after hours, my calendar. And I just don't want to start my day like that. And I really want to prioritize looking at the sky, the sun outside, as opposed to a screen. So this has been a, a good tool so far for me. And even after work too, not accessing Instagram, let me have a conversation with people, let me really engage in the real world. So I think just having these tools that are available to us now can help preserve our own peace and stability. Mm hmm. Yeah, that, that's really helpful for when you have to separate things, right? Because you have your home life and everybody working from home is like those lines have been blurred, right? So I think it's actually healthy, but it's almost like necessary to put in a little bit more effort to protect your mental and emotional health, your home life versus your work, because they are so close together now. I know like one of the things that I've been trying to do better, <laughs> I mean, since COVID, I think everybody was just working in their pajamas, unshowered. And I, I hope that that was the shared experience because it was definitely mine. Um, but, but nowadays, I am much more deliberate about changing my clothes in the morning. Maybe we'll delete this, but like brushing my teeth consistently in the morning and not just like rolling out of bed. I'm getting on a call, brushing hair, put in your contacts, actually getting ready for the day, doing skincare like that. It's not necessarily world changing habits that I'm doing, but it makes me feel better for the day. If I've put on new clothes, I put on my moisturizer, I, my earrings or whatever, I just feel better. It, it makes the day easier to conquer when I feel set up because now my whole life I've left that behind. I put on my clothes. I put on my work face to go to work. And then similarly to change out of your work stuff, oh, change your pants or whatever to go comfy on the couch, even though it's the next room. So there's tiny things. And if you just find the thing that makes you 1% better, mentally speaking, and then do that consistently, because then maybe it'll be 2% and then maybe it'll be 3%. And then you've just built a habit that is fundamental to your mental well-being. It's funny because I feel like we know that the concept of work has evolved since the pandemic, but I haven't seen much about whether it's scientific literature or data around how that affects people. Mm -hmm. uh, the commute has changed from driving two hours or taking the train to now walking upstairs or maybe even just walking two steps away from your bed. So how can we create those boundaries? Can we shut the the laptop at the end of the day? Can we close the door we're working in? Or if that's not possible, what are the, the little things that we can do that can preserve our different space since they've seemed to be combined into one? Yeah, I think that is really important. And COVID has made it really difficult. I myself have to work out of my bedroom, but 
what I at least try to do is create some separation between my desk and the bed in terms of my mind space. So the bed is not somewhere I bring my work computer. I don't just sit on my phone when I'm in my bed. I go there for the purpose of sleeping and that's it. And then when I'm at my desk, it's more like, okay, I can be in focus mode. And so I recall when COVID kind of first started and, you know, bringing my computer into my bed and just kind of laying under the covers and doing all that. And I think that was unhealthy. And I know that a lot of research came out after that point around how important it is to separate those things, especially for people who are having trouble sleeping because they were working from bed or doing these things from bed. So I think having some sort of separation and no matter what way you can, I also will sometimes try to go work from a coffee shop or something if I'm feeling like too stuffy in my own bedroom trying to work. And so just a change of scenery, I think, and making it feel like you're doing your work from a slightly different location, I think can help sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to know something embarrassing yes. for important meetings? So I have a pair of heels right next to my desk. And for important meetings where I need to feel a little bit more elevated or professional. Taller. <laughs> yeah, taller. I'll put those heels on. I love that. Good for you. I usually just keep the sweatpants on and throw on a, a button down. So <laughs> good for you. I should take some notes. Similarly, Natalie, like maybe I'll put on like a nicer outfit when I know I have a client meeting or I'll put on my makeup, right? I feel like for me, makeup is pretty important because it's my war paint. It's my armor that I go into the world with. And if I know I don't have a lot of important meetings, I'm not even going to fill in my eyebrows. I'm not even going to go on camera. But if I know I have a client meeting, I like putting on my makeup, similar to you, like I'm physically doing this. No one can see me, but I'm physically doing this thing where I'm pushing out my chest more. I'm, I'm pushing back my shoulders. It just makes me feel mentally prepared and different and ready to tackle what the thing is. So I, I love that you do that. And I, I will say there's an element of the, both of those things, the heels and the makeup of this empowering femininity that makes you ready to tackle a challenge. I, I absolutely love that. But also, Kendall, one of the things that you said about like, taking meetings from your bed and whatnot, it, reminded, it made me think of like this idea of, of self-care, being able to differentiate what you want from what you need. And getting out of your comfort zone. Yes, it's comfortable to sit in the bed and take the meeting. But what you really need is to get out of bed, be a little bit, quote unquote, uncomfortable, but also more focused because that that's ultimately better for you in the long run, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I'll add to that, too. I think it's tying in some of those more physical aspects we were talking about before in terms of intentions. It's also great if I just have a quick one on one meeting where I don't need to be on my screen necessarily. I'll take it while I'm on a walk. And it's nice out and that way I can at least get out for a moment, feel like I'm taking a bit of a break, not locked in my room or my apartment for the whole day at least. And I think that's really important to find those little moments where if you have a quick gap in meetings or something to just go take a few minutes to do something for yourself. Because I feel like especially working from home, we get into the habit of, I'm going to go quickly make some lunch and then bring it back to my desk and keep working. And there's never really a solid break or any sort of time period where you can be like, okay, cool, I can step away for a moment. So I mm-hmm. think sometimes even scheduling that time, blocking 20, 30 minutes on your calendar to be like, I'm going to go run a quick errand or go take a quick walk, be really valuable and kind of re-energize you for, for the rest of the workday. Okay. And if none of these ideas are, are really resonating with you, listener, uh, I, I would also note that the last few years for me personally have been a learning experience, right? Learning oh, I feel some type of way. Why do I feel this way? And then trying to think back the last few days or a few hours about what might have made you feel that way. There is a learning experience that has to happen to figure out what it is that you need. If taking a walk doesn't feel 
like something that you'd like to do, I mean, you can try it and see how you feel. And if not, maybe try something else. And there is this idea of mindfulness, of kind of observing your emotions and your thoughts, almost with curiosity, as opposed to, oh, I feel angry, I'm going to react, or I feel sad, I'm just going to react. It's more like, I feel sad. Huh, that's interesting. Why do I feel sad? And there's this kind of exploration I think everybody needs to go on in terms of figuring out what it is that you need that makes you feel better. So if fitness isn't the thing, it's worth maybe exploring, but then you can find out like, what exactly you physically or mentally or emotionally need. So there are some mindfulness exercises that people can look into to start building that self-awareness, because that's probably where a lot of goals will have to start. I guess we'll start winding down. I just want to check the room. You guys have anything else to, you want to add before we wrap things up? Not for me. I mean, I thought this was a great dialogue and hopefully for anyone listening, it inspires you in some way or makes something that maybe seemed really daunting or unattainable more in your your realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think the biggest takeaway is really if you're striving for anything this year, if you're setting yourself any goals, just ensure that your mind is in the right space with that and that you go in with the right motivation and intention behind it to be bettering yourself for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about growth and progress over perfection, you know, little steps. Otherwise, in terms of the podcast, I'd like to, to let people know to be on the lookout for a, an episode coming real soon where we're going to basically reintroduce MHNJ to the world. We have a new agency vision, some core values, and we're going to speak with some of our leadership to talk about what that means for the agency. So we're excited to roll that out soon. But otherwise, that's all the time that we have today. Thank you so much, guys, for joining this conversation. Thank you for anyone listening. You can subscribe to Truth Well Spoken on your podcast network of choice. And please let us know what you'd like to hear on a future episode. You can email podcast at mccannhealth.com. And we'd love to hear any thoughts that you guys might have. Truth Well Spoken is produced by Jay Prakowski, Dina Rao, Natalie Mercer, Melissa Kaczynski, and Kendall Coletti. Until next time, I'm Dina Rao, and thanks for listening.